Do you ever wonder if your life really matters? Pastor Rick says God has a good plan and purpose for your life. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today we continue in our series called Live Your Calling. What on earth am I here for? In these lessons, you'll discover that real meaning and significance come from understanding and fulfilling God's purpose for you here on earth. In a moment, we're going to tell you how to get a hard-covered copy of Pastor Rick's number one best-selling book, The Purpose Driven Life. As you journey through this book, you'll discover the purposes you were created for and begin living the life of significance you were meant to live. Go to PastorRick.com to find out more or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with a message called, I'm Called to be Sent. Now during this series, we've looked at God's five purposes for your life. You are not an accident. There are accidental parents, there are no accidental children. They're illegitimate parents. There are no illegitimate children. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. And he planned you even before the foundation of the world. And your life has value and your life has significance. And you are not an accident. And the Bible says that God created you for five purposes, for five reasons, for five assignments. The Bible calls them your callings in life, your vocation in your life. Your vocation is far more than your career. Oh, no, no, no. It's your reason for existence. And God says, I made you for five reasons. Now, we looked first at I am called to be loved. The number one purpose of your life is you were made to be loved by God. And until you get that, nothing else is going to make sense. You're made by God and for God. And he made you to love you. In that base of love, when you feel totally, completely loved by God, then you have the capacity to move into every area of life that he wants you to move into and experience life in all its fullness. But first you're called to be loved by God. Then we looked at the next week at you're called to belong. You're called to not just be loved, you're called to belong, you're called to belong to his family. You are not meant to go through life on your own. You're not a lone ranger. You are made for connection. You are made for community. And we find our meaning and purpose in our relationships to each other. You're made, you're created, you're called to belong. Then we looked at the third calling in your life. You're called to become. God has plans for your life. He made you to become what he wants you to be. You can't be anybody in the world. People will tell you that, it's just not true. No matter how hard I try, I'm never going to be uh, an opera singer. And no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to be good at certain sports. I'm just not wired that way. You can be who God has made you to become. And joy, getting in the J zone, is when you become who God made you to be. You're called to be loved. You're called to belong. You're called to become. And then last week we looked at the fourth calling in your life. You're called to bless. You're called to bless others. God didn't put you on the earth to live a selfish little clod of a life where it's all about me. No, it's not all about you. It's all about God, it's all about others, and we find our true meaning and purpose only as we give our lives away. 
And as I bless other people, I am blessed myself. And as I help others, I am helped myself. It's the law of sowing and reaping. But when you sow a seed, you don't just get one seed back, you get multiple seeds back. So whatever you sow in life, you're gonna get back more of. You sow criticism, you get back more criticism. But you sow praise, you get back more praise. And you're called to bless other people with your life using what we call your shape, S-H-A-P-E, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experience. And nobody is uniquely shaped like you are. You have a unique voice print, eye print, mouth, uh, hand print, footprint, heartbeat, emotional beat, and God doesn't want you to be anybody else. And when you get to heaven one day, he's not gonna say, why weren't you more like somebody else? He's gonna say, why weren't you more like you? I made you to be you. And unless you be you, who's gonna be you? Now, tonight, we look at the fifth calling. And this is the calling of being sent. I'm called to belong, I'm called to be loved, I'm called to become, I'm called to bless, and I'm called to be sent. Now I want you to write this down uh, on your outline. God's plan for history. If you wanna know the purpose of history, here it is. He's gathering a family. God is gathering a family that will love and live with him forever. The Bible makes this very, very clear. And the message was brought to us first by the nation of Israel. God gave this message to the Jews to give to the rest of us. And now we are to pass it on to others. That God's plan for history is that he's gathering a family that will love and live with him forever. If God hadn't wanted a family, he wouldn't have created the universe. He wouldn't have created the human race. He wouldn't have created you and me. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter one, verse five. Look up here on the screen. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family. This is God to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. All of us are created by God. All of us are loved by God, but not everybody is a child of God. You gotta choose to be in the family. In fact, there's only two ways to get into a family, be born into it or be adopted into it. And the Bible uses both of these metaphors, spiritual rebirth and adoption, as what it means to get into God's family. Now, for that to happen, God's whole purpose in creating the universe is to gather a group of people who choose willingly to love him. And God gives me a free choice to love or reject him, and God says, you ought to give everybody else a free choice to love or reject him. It's not faith if it's forced. So we don't believe in coercion. We believe in persuasion. We believe may the best idea win, but we don't believe in coercion. Because God says, I created you to love me, and it's not love unless I can choose to not love him. But those who choose to love him become a part of God's family. Now, once God's family is gathered together, we go into phase two, which is after earth, which is after life. It's in eternity where the real life begins. This is the preschool, this is the warm up act, this is the dress rehearsal, this is the first lap around before the real race begins. The real race, the real life is eternity. Now, for God to gather his family, somebody has to pass on the good news. And here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise. But, he says, <clears throat> how can they call on him to save them 
unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? Circle the word sent. This is the fifth calling of your life. You are called to be sent. This is what the scripture means when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now what this verse means is this. My fifth purpose in life, my fifth calling in life is this. I'm sent to bring others into God's family. I'm sent to bring others in God's family. The moment I step across the line spiritually, God wants me to share the good news with others. You know, if I had the cure for AIDS and I kept it a secret and I didn't tell anybody, that would be criminal. In fact, they ought to put me in prison. If I had that good news and didn't tell people, I should be incarcerated. If I had the cure for cancer and I didn't tell anybody about it, that would be criminal. But God has given us an even greater message, how to have our past forgiven, how to have a purpose for living, how to have a home in heaven. And to not share that would be criminal. So my fifth purpose and calling in life is I'm sent to bring others into God's family. We call us here at Saddleback the peace plan. And we base it on some verses. Notice this verse. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.18, through Christ, God made peace between us and himself. Then God gave us the work of bringing others into peace with him. I want you to circle the word peace twice there on your notes. God made peace between us and himself through Jesus. Then God gave us the work of bringing others into peace with him. So God's not mad at you. You, have, you can be at peace with him. Now this is God's eternal peace plan. The Bible calls it the ministry of reconciliation. One day Jesus is walking down the street and a guy comes up to him and says, Lord, what's the most important verse in the Bible? And Jesus said, I can summarize the whole Bible in two sentences. Here's cliff notes on the Bible. Here's the whole Bible in two sentences. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Be reconciled to God and be reconciled to each other. Make peace with God and make peace with each other. Stop your war with God. Stop your war with each other. End the conflict with God. And then you'll be able to end the conflict with each other. Get the prince of peace in your life and you'll be able to live at peace. It's all about relationships. Life is not about accomplishments. It's not all about achievements. It's not all about acquisitions. It's about relationships. Your relationship to God, your relationship to yourself, and your relationship to other people. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is what God calls, we call, the peace plan. Make peace with God and then make peace with others and bring the peace of God into their lives. Now this peace plan of God's eternal peace plan will only happen if you fulfill your fifth calling. The Bible says it like this, John chapter 20, verse 21. In fact, let's read this verse aloud together. Let's read it aloud with great enthusiasm. Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, again, circle three words. Circle the word peace, it's 
the peace plan, peace be with you. We get peace with God and we give the peace of God and we explain the peace of God to others. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Circle the word sent and sending. This is your fifth calling. I'm called to be loved, I'm called to belong, I'm called to become, I'm called to bless, and I'm called to be sent. Now you guys, we live by this verse. Jesus says, as I've been sent, I am sending you. We don't just believe this verse, we practice it. We live it, we do it. And this is the one calling that most people wanna shy away from. I can imagine some people get in heaven and God says, okay, let's go through the purposes I created you for, the reasons you exist. Let's go through the callings I've given you in your life. Uh, did you let me love you? You were called to be loved. Yes, got that one, bingo. Uh, you're called to belong, got that one, I did that. You're called to, be, to, uh, to become, got that, did that. You're called to bless others, got that. You're called to be sent and pass it on to others. Ah, wrong answer, I didn't do that one. And God's gonna say, and what were you thinking? You think I put you on earth to live for yourself? Once you have the good news, don't you pass it on to others? Now, many of you are new to Saddleback Church. So I wanna take a minute and I wanna explain to you what we call the peace plan and how we do this at Saddleback Church. Because as I said, we take this verse extremely seriously. Jesus said, as I have been sent from God the Father to earth, I am sending you out to all around the world. We call it the peace plan. What is the peace plan? I wrote a definition there on your outline. The peace plan is ordinary people empowered by God making a difference together wherever they are. Now, every one of those phrases is important. Ordinary people. The peace plan is not for superstars. It's not for saints and nuns and priests and missionaries. It's for people like you and me, normal people. Ordinary people can do the peace plan, empowered by God. We don't do it on our own power. God gives us the energy and the ability to do it. Making a difference together, you don't do it on your own. We always do it in groups, we do it in teams, we do it together, we're better together, we're in community. And we do it wherever we are. And so we do it here, we do it there, we, we do it everywhere. Jesus said it like this in John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go. Circle the word to go. I've appointed you to go. Part of your appointment, part of your mission in life, your life mission is to go. You are to be sent and you are to go. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Now fruit is a metaphor for a successful life, a fulfilling life, a productive life, a fruitful life. And Jesus said, I want you to bear fruit in your life that will last, that will last. Now let me be honest with you. Most of what you do in life isn't gonna last. Most of what I do in life isn't gonna last. The things that we spend most of our time on, people aren't even gonna remember in 10 years, much less in 30, 50, or 100. Most of the things you do in your life, it isn't gonna last. Nobody's gonna care what movies you went to, what books you read, what, how you spent your summer. And Jesus said, I want you to do something with your life that lasts. Now there are only two things that are gonna last forever, truth and people. 
truth and people. So if you invest your life in truth and in people, then you're investing your life in things that last. Can you imagine getting to heaven one day and somebody comes up and says, I just wanna thank you. And you say, thank you, I don't even know you. You said, no, you don't know me, but you helped in a ministry, you helped in a project, a humanitarian effort, you helped in your church, and you know what? You did something that caused me to get to know God. And I'm gonna be in heaven because of you. I'm your friend forever. There's nothing you can do more important than help people determine the destiny of their lives because it's the only thing that's gonna outlast it. It was William James who said, the greatest use of your life is to invest it in that which outlasts it. And when you invest it in people who are gonna last for eternity, then you are doing fruit that will last. You're listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. Rick will be back in just a moment with the rest of today's lesson. If you've missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen online anytime at PastorRick.com. That's PastorRick.com. Do you ever wonder if your life really matters or what on earth are you here for? Pastor Rick says God has a good plan and purpose for your life. And in his best-selling book, The Purpose Driven Life, he lays out an easy-to-follow roadmap for your spiritual journey, a journey that will transform your life. This timeless book has been reimagined for young and old and now has special bonus features, including a video introduction from Pastor Rick for each chapter, an audio lesson from Pastor Rick at the end of each chapter, and two new bonus chapters on the most common barriers to living a purpose-driven life. As you go through this book, you'll discover that real meaning and significance come from understanding and fulfilling God's purpose for you here on earth, and how living out the purpose you were created for moves you beyond mere survival and success to a life of significance, the life you were meant to live. As thanks for your gift to help take the hope of Jesus to people around the world, we'll send you The Purpose Driven Life by Pastor Rick. Just go to PastorRick.com or text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004 to get your very own copy of the Purpose Driven Life hardcover book. And if you choose to become a partner in hope with automated monthly giving, we'll also send you a very special welcome gift to show our appreciation. That's PastorRick.com or you can text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Thanks so very much. Today is the last day to get this great resource, so don't wait. Once again, here's Rick. Now, when we talk about the peace plan, we talk about it in three dimensions. Personal peace, local peace, and global peace. And your life needs to be involved in all three of these. You need to have a personal peace plan, a local peace plan, and a global peace plan. This is what it means to be called to be sent. My personal peace plan is the ministry, my personal mission to the people in my life, my family, my friends, my neighbors, and my coworkers. That's my personal peace plan. How can I be a blessing to them in their lives? How can I help them come to know God in a personal way? That's my personal peace plan. Local peace is what we do in our small groups. When we go help the poor, when we go care for the sick, when we go educate Uh, people who uh, are illiterate, when we teach English as a second language, all of the hundreds of different ministries we have in this church to help the hurts and the hang-ups and the habits of other people, and we have hundreds of these ministries, that's local peace. Global peace is your church's mission 
to the whole world. Now, Jesus didn't just say, do this. He actually gave us a model. And when you study the ministry of Jesus, you find that Jesus did five things with his life. And they're the five same things that God wants you to do to fulfill this calling. Now, there are some things that Jesus did you can't do, like die on the cross for the redemption and the sins and forgiveness of the human race. I can't do that. You can't do that. But Jesus said, I've given you an example to follow. Now go as I have done unto you. And Jesus, when he was here on earth, did five things. First, he planted a church. He said, I will build my church. And it was a special kind of church. It was a church that promoted reconciliation with God and with other people. You see, the reason there's so much conflict in the world is because there's spiritual emptiness in the world. When people are empty in their hearts, they war not only with themselves, they war with God and they war with other people. And so we have conflict between genders and we have conflict between economics, status, and we have conflict between nations and we have conflict between races and we have conflict between religions and we have conflict in marriage. Why? Because we don't have peace in our hearts. And when the Prince of Peace reigns in our hearts, then it allows us to make reconciliation with God and with others. And so Jesus planted a church that promoted reconciliation. That's the first thing he did. Second thing Jesus did is he equipped servant leaders. Now follow me on this. Jesus loved everybody, but he fed the 5,000, but he trained the 70, but he discipled 12, and he mentored three. He equipped servant leaders, and that's part of life. And the third thing that Jesus did is he assisted the poor. The, Jesus, in his very first sermon, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. It was the number one agenda. Does God have favorites? Yes, he does. He loves the poor. There are over 2,000 verses in the Bible about the poor, and God says, if you help the poor, I will help you. He assisted the poor. He cared for the sick. The Bible tells us that Jesus went into every village preaching, teaching, and healing. One-third of his ministry was health care. He did preaching, that's telling the good news. He did teaching, that's education. He did healing, that's health care. It's not by accident that in every single nation in the world, the first hospital and the first university were started by Christians. It's not an accident. They were started by, because we have a preaching, teaching, healing faith. In fact, the church invented the hospital. I don't know if you know this. Christians invented the hospital. That's why there's so many of them, St. Mary's and St. Mark's and all these others, because we invent, Jesus was a preaching, teaching, healing ministry. He wasn't just our savior. He's our teacher and he's our healer. So we believe in educating the mind, caring for the body, and saving the soul. So Jesus preached, planted churches, he equipped leaders, he assisted the poor, cared for the sick, he educated the next generation. He said, let the little children come to me. They are the kingdom of God. If you want to care about the next generation, you got to care about, uh, you want to care about the kingdom of God, you got to care about the next generation. Now here's the amazing thing. Jesus' peace plan is the antidote to the five biggest problems on this planet. Go, up the, go look up the millennial goals of the United Nations. You know what the millennial goals are? They all have to do with these five big problems. Uh, emptiness and conflict, corruption, self-centered leadership, poverty, disease, and a lack of education or illiteracy. Jesus is the antidote to the world's greatest problems. 
So what does God want you to do? What does God want you to do? Well, look at this verse up here on the screen. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. The most important thing, he's talking about in my entire life, the most important thing with my life is that I complete my mission. God has a mission for your life. God has a life message he wants to say to the world to you, and God has a life mission for your life. The most important thing that I com- is my complete my mission. And what is it? The work that the Lord Jesus gave me. And what is it? To tell people the good news about God's grace. How do I do that? Can you write quick? Let me give you four things. Let's wrap it up with this, four things. Number one, pray. I pray that people will say yes to God. I pray that people will say yes to God and accept their life mission and their life message. In Matthew chapter nine, this is what Jesus said when he sent his followers out on the very first peace trip. Here's what he said. Jesus said, there are so many people to harvest, but only a few workers to help harvest them. Pray, pray to the Lord who owns the harvest that he will send out, there's that phrase, called to be sent, he will send out more workers to gather his harvest. So part of your calling in life is to pray that God will send out people to reach everybody with the good news of God's love because everybody deserves to hear. Does anybody deserve the chance to hear the good news twice when there's some people who haven't heard it once? So we pray, we pray that God will send people out and that's the first thing you do. Second thing you do is you can give. Give to help others go. Maybe you're in a stage of life you can't go right now but you can give to help other people go. Maybe you're at home with young little ones, uh, preschoolers and you couldn't go to somewhere in the world. Or maybe you're an elderly person and, and you know, you, you've gotten a little more creaky in your old age and you know, you got a hitch in your get along and you, you don't know how to, you, you, but you can help. When the Bible says when you support other people to go on humanitarian missions and peace missions and relief missions and sharing the good news missions, you actually participate in their reward. The Bible says this in 3 John chapter 1, verse 8. We must support believers. When we talk about financial support, we must support believers who go on trips like this so we can work together with them in spreading the truth. And then Matthew 10, verse 8 says this. Freely have you received, freely give. So God says, I've been generous with you. You should be generous and help get the word out. I can pray, I can give. Number three, step out. I can step out in faith. And what does that mean? Volunteer. God's army, God's mission is 100% volunteer. It's no conscription, there's no draft. You gotta volunteer, you gotta say, Lord, I'm in. I'm willing, I'm able. Do you know why God uses me? Because I volunteered. In fact, I volunteer every day of my life. So God, I wake up in the morning and before my feet hit the ground, I say, Lord, I know you're gonna do some really cool things in the world today. Would you give me the privilege of us being in on some of them? And the train's moving, I just wanna get on his train. I wanna get in, I don't get up and say, God bless what I'm doing. 
I get up in the morning and say, God, help me to do what you're blessing. I know you're gonna bless a bunch of things in the world today. Would you let me get in on some of it? I wanna get in on plan. It's not God working on my plan. I'm working on his plan. I don't say God bless my plans. I say, God, what do you plan to do today? Can I be in on some of it? I step out in faith like Isaiah did, the great prophet in the Old Testament. Isaiah 6 8, Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? There's that word, called to be sent. Who will I send and who will go for us? And I said to the Lord, Here am I, Lord, send me. Send me. 39 years ago, when I was one year old, I volunteered to give a summer in Nagasaki, Japan to help start a new church. I was 20 years old. I didn't know a single word of Japanese. I didn't know anything about helping a church. I just said, I wanna be in on what God's doing. And so I volunteered. And I gave my summer, that summer when I was 20 years old, to move to Japan for three months. And I said, I don't speak Japanese, but whatever you need me to do, run errands, print programs, take out coffee, and I helped start a new church in the suburbs of Nagasaki, Japan. 39 years later, that church is still doing good. It's caring for the sick, it's assisting the poor, it's educating the next generation, it's telling people the good news, it's helping them find freedom from their faults and their hangups and their hurts finding freedom from addictions, it's putting marriages back together, it's changing lives, it's helping people get ready for heaven, it's doing all kinds of good things. Was that worth three months of my life? Are you kidding me? I think of all the things I could have done that summer. I could have spent the whole summer just surfing. Nobody would have remembered it. I could have spent the whole summer just playing Jimi Hendrix albums, records. Anybody remember records? I think you're all too young for that. Okay, they're these big things, all right? And uh, I could have tell you a hundred different ways I got wasted that summer. But I did something where I bore fruit that will last. And 39 years later, that church is still helping a lot of people get their act together, get their lives changed. And someday I'm gonna go to heaven and somebody's gonna come up to me from, from that church and say, I wanna thank you, Rick. And I'll go, I don't even know you. I say, no but you helped start a church 50 years ago. And last year before I died, that church taught me the good news. And I found forgiveness and I found freedom and I found redemption and I found salvation and my life was radically changed for the better. And I'm in heaven because of you, thanks. Will that be worth it? Oh yeah, that's fruit that will last. What have you done in your life that's gonna last? What do you want to do in your life that's going to last? If you want God to use you in any area, something like this or anything else, you just have to say, amen. I dare you to pray the most dangerous prayer. The most dangerous prayer you can ever pray is only two words. You've heard me talk about this before. It's only two words. The single most dangerous prayer you can say is this, use me. You tell that one to God, you better get your boots on. Because God is looking for people to use. And what we need is the same attitude that David had. Look at this verse, Psalm 67. 
Send us around, your, around the world with the news of your saving power and your eternal plan for all mankind. That's the attitude, Jesse. Lord, send me. Here am I. Send me. Like Isaiah said, the great prophet of uh, Israel. So I pray that people say yes to God. I give so others can go. I step out in faith myself. And number four, this is real important. Go where I can now. You go where I can now. That's personal peace. That's local peace and helping others. We live in a county that is filled with needs all around us. Once there was a guy who was just really struggling with some personal demons in his life. And Jesus helped him get his head on right and helped him get his act together. And he wanted to follow Jesus on to the next town and Jesus told him no. Look at this verse, Luke 8 verse 39. Jesus said, you go back home. He said, I want you to go back home and tell people how much God has done for you. So the man went all over town telling how much Jesus had done for him. Some of the things I think what God will say to you, you need to go back home. You need to tell people on your campus if you're in school or in your business if you're in a business or in your neighborhood if you live in a neighborhood. Tell the people around you. Tell them the good news. Now the last verse on your outline, that's a misprint. I want you to scratch it out. It's actually 2 Timothy 4.5. It's not 2.10, it's 4.5. So we're not on the 2.10 freeway, we're on the 405 freeway, okay? 2 Timothy 4.5 says this, work at bringing others to Christ. Why? Because they'll experience his love, they'll experience his forgiveness, they'll experience his peace, they'll experience his purpose, they'll experience past forgiven, purpose for living. All of these things that God offers to us. Work and bring. By the way, this is our memory verse. You know, each work week, we're memorizing one verse from the Bible. And this week, I thought it'd be really nice and light on you and give you a, word, a, a sentence that's only so short, anybody can memorize it. So, when you memorize a Bible verse, you say the reference, where you find it in the Bible at the beginning, at the end. So let's say this aloud together, okay? 2 Timothy 4, 5 work at bringing others to Christ, 2 Timothy 4.5. By the way, what is 2 Timothy 4.5? Yeah, and by the way, where does it say work at bringing others to Christ in the Bible? Very good, class. All right, let me close with just a couple practical. How do I work at bringing other people to Christ? How do I help share the good news that God isn't mad at us, that God loves us, God wants a relationship. God, Jesus didn't come to give us religion. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it to abundance. And you know what? Most people aren't really living. They're just existing. They're just existing. They get up in the morning, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed. Get up in the morning, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed, go to a party on weekend, think, man, I'm living. No, you're not living. You're existing. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Not religion, life. A relationship. Let me close with a prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, what we've talked about this weekend is really the subject dearest to your own heart. You want people in your family. You know everything about us, and you want us to know you. It's the reason you created the universe. It's the reason you sent your son to die for us. It's the reason you have never made anybody that you don't love. You've never made anybody. You didn't have a plan and purpose for their life. So I pray two things. First, that you would keep us from being distracted in things in our life that really don't matter. 
that we wouldn't waste our lives on stuff that isn't going to last. And second, give us the faith and give us the courage to pray the most dangerous prayer in the world. Use me. Now you talk to God. You know, it really doesn't matter what you say. Just say, hey, 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 God. And what matters is being honest. If you don't even know if there is a God, say, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And over time, he will. God never turns down a genuine seeker. So just say, dear God, uh, if you're real, make yourself real to me. I, I want to know you. And if you love me, I want to learn to love you back. And I want to take the first step, the step of openness. And I pray this in sincerity as best I know how. Amen. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. If you've missed any part of this message, or if you'd like to find out more about Pastor Rick Warren and this ministry, just visit PastorRick.com, where you can listen online anytime. That's Pastor Rick with two R's in the middle, dot com. Be sure to sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional while you're there. Rick will be back to close out our time today, but first... Do you ever wonder if your life really matters, or what on earth are you here for? Pastor Rick says God has a good plan and a purpose for your life. Here's Rick to tell you more. One of the things that I've discovered is that everybody eventually asks the questions of significance. Why am I here, and what is my purpose? What on earth am I here for? That's why 10 years ago, I wrote the book, Purpose Driven Life because I wanted to help people like you understand how God created us for five eternal purposes. The Bible says that long before we heard of Christ, he had his eye on us, had his designs on us for glorious living, that it was part of his overall purpose that he's working out in everything and everyone. God has never made a person that he doesn't have a purpose for. You know, that simple message needs to be shared with a whole new generation. A young girl who was 12 years old when I wrote Purpose Driven Life is now 22, and she needs to hear this essential message that God has a plan, has a purpose, and has a reason for everything that happens in our lives. So I've updated the Purpose Driven Life. And what I did is after reading hundreds of thousands of comments that have come into me over the past decade, I've added two new chapters that'll help you handle the two most common problems and barriers to living a life of purpose. Now I want you to have this newly revised, expanded copy of Purpose Driven Life. I think you'll find it's a fresh reminder of things that you may have forgotten when you first read it. Or you might want to give the book to somebody who has never read it and is struggling to find their purpose. So this month, I'm offering to you a hardback copy of the updated, expanded edition of Purpose Driven Life. What on earth am I here for? It's my gift to you for your financial support of this ministry. As you go through this book, you'll discover that real meaning and significance come from understanding and fulfilling God's purpose for you here on earth, and how living out the purpose you were created for moves you beyond mere survival and success to a life of significance, the life you were meant to live. As thanks for your gift to help take the hope of Jesus to people around the world, we'll send you The Purpose Driven Life by Pastor Rick. 
Today is the last day to get this great resource, so don't wait. If you choose to become a partner in Hope with automated monthly giving, we'll also send you a very special welcome gift to show our appreciation. Go to PastorRick.com or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's PastorRick.com or the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Be sure to join us again next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.